Read the Bible every day so you'll be full of faith. Welcome you to join Bible Links to read the entire Bible in two years. I believe God will bless you, He will lift you up, and your life will never be the same. The following is the English translation of Pastor Mongungu's teaching on the book of Leviticus, chapters 18 and 19, translated by David. Read the Bible every day so you'll be full of faith. Let's look at Leviticus, chapters 18 to 19. In fact, chapters 18, 19, and 20 of Leviticus all talk about one thing, which is knowing God, Yahweh, or Lord, our God, who is a holy God. So from chapter 18 to 20, you'll find many statutes and ordinances, and at times they may seem like the Ten Commandments are being repeated. Sometimes we might feel that these three chapters are a bit too detailed and may not seem to be relevant of our modern lifestyles, our busy work styles, or even our leisurely activities and interpersonal relationships. But you know what? Chapter 18 to 20 are not about moral codes. It's not about helping us becoming a nation of Rachel or even a polite people. Chapter 18 to 20 are all about one thing, knowing Yahweh, your Lord, your God. So as you read these chapters, chapters 18 to 19, even up to 20, you'll keep encountering one phrase repeatedly, that is, I am the Lord, or I am Lord your God, who is holy. So from the first verse to the fifth verse here, it tells us something. The Israelites of that time, if they look back at their lives or living in Egypt, now they are about to depart and enter into the land of Canaanite. They pre- their previous lives was the life of Canaanites in their culture and background, and they were about to encounter ahead might happen the prevalent trends of influences. Today, as Christians, we also have choices to make. We have our Chinese background, our family traditions, our habits, and after believing in God, in my work, in my upcoming married life, even when I migrate to another country, I feel like I need to adapt to the local ways of life. But dear ones, these shall not be our first priorities. We shall be asking, God, what is your will? I want to know you. So in these two chapters, we will talk a lot about the holiness of God. Holiness is not about what I did or what I did not do. Often Christians, we might feel, oh, I am holy because of what I did or did not do. Or we might ask, am I holy? Did I meet certain requirements? No, holiness is about whether I can have a reverent heart or fear the Lord towards God and deeply know that I am called to be set apart by Him. That is what holiness is about. It's about my internal understanding and my faith in God. So expecting through these two chapters, we can bless our family and become a holy people of God. From verses 1 to 5, it starts by reminding us that God says, I am the Lord, your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt, where you lived, and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaanite, to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statues. If you look at the second half of verse 5, it says, If a person does them, he shall live by them. So this is related to the life of Christians. In the preceding chapter 13 to 15, we talk about leprosy, 
discharges of blood, various bodily discharges, and which talk, also talk about a person's continually wasting away and not bearing fruit. In chapters 16 and 17, we talk about the date of atonement, about how we offer sacrifices, seeing Jesus Christ in this gospel, and also our lives are no longer missing. Our lives begin to have the ability to live in holiness. So from chapter 18 to chapter 20, it starts reminding us how to live a holy life. Here it tells us how to live and how to have a life and how to empower your life in your workplaces, in your family, in your relationship with others. First, from verses 6 to 20, you'll notice that it's about regulation against immorality and idolatry, specifically directed towards women. And from verses 21 to 23, he talked about not giving your children to Malek, which is a cultural practice in the southern religion at that at the region because amidst their immorality during their idol worship there were many instances of immorality in the German children born so who they couldn't support so they sacrificed these children infants to the god of Malek placing them in the arm of a statue and burning them until they were red hot resulting in many children being burned alive they believed the louder the child cried, the more agonizing and the more God, the gods will be pleased. This was a practice of killing life, killing the next generation, which Malak was responsible for. Verse 22 talk about lying with a man and with a woman who is sexually, sexual, sexually confused. In verse 29, talk about intercourse with animals and all of which are unnatural acts. The key lies in verses 24 and 25. Do not make yourself unclean by any of these things. For by all these things the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean, and the land becomes unclean. I punish for it its inequity, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. God wants to establish the concept that the sense of immorality committed by people rather between humans or even between humans and animals that defiles or make the land unclean. The land is God's creation, the footstool of God. So this is God's place of rest. The land is filled with sin. So God will expel those who do such things to the land. So why do we talk about why in the Israelites were able to enter in the land of Canaanite? It's because the Canaanites have offended God. They have filled the land with filth. So God wanted to expel these people from the land so that it, the Israelite could take over. But as you read through the book of Judges, you'll find out that when the Israelites were also worshiping idols, committing idolatry, the land was also defiled and unclean by the Israelites. So God wanted to expel them and not allow them to remain in that land with any authority or power. That is why, as Christians, we often need to pray for the cities we live in, for the country we live in, and for the land that we inhabit. Because people committing immorality, committing, committing abortion, defiles this land and make it impure. So through our prayer, 
we seek forgiveness from God, seek God's mercy, to seek God's cleansing so this land may be purified. So we may have the authority to continue to dwell in it. So this is a generational thing. Perhaps before leaving Egypt, there were sexual relations between men and men, between woman and woman, which is now a current issues, the confusion of sexes. Everyone may think it's a genetic issues, a natural issues, or even an issue created by one's family background. The Bible does not instruct us to investigate these matters. Instead, it tells us to set apart from these behaviors as holy. So we are not condemning such people. We're condemn condemning it, the behavior is such. We are condemning such a sin. So the church accepts sinners, but the church rejects such sins. So we are not against the world. We are set apart from the world. So around you, you may encounter some people who are deeply involving immoral relationships, cohabitation, even in our lives, in news reports, there are many instances of sexual immorality we mentioned earlier. The sexual acts between man and animal, even crossing ethical generational boundaries. God will condemn these sins because as God's people, we need to rise up and pray so this land can be cleansed. So from verses 26 to 30, it reminds us that if the land is defiled and become unclean, the land will vomit out its inhabitants, just as it vomit out the people who live there before you. So today, whether that land belongs to the Philistines or the Israelites, you must know that the land belongs to God. Whoever does not commit sexual immorality, whoever lives according to God's word, will have the right to dwell in that land. So if the Canaanites commit sexual immorality today, God will take out the people of that land and let the Israelites take over. But if the Israelites rebel against God, worship idols, and commit sexual immorality, God will also use that land to vomit or expel the inhabitants living there. So whose land is it? The land belongs to God. It belongs to those who fear God, keep His commitment, and walk in obedience. Only they can live in there. So dear family, let's pray for our lives, for our lives in the church today, for the right of ownership of this land, that we need to pray more, that many laws and idolatries are meeting, idolatries are meeting, being passed today. And we need to repent. Many laws on abortion are being passed, and we need to repent. And many issues regarding the legalization of same-sex marriage are being passed. We must repent for this legalization. We must repent to seek God's mercy. It's not about the world's trends. It's about genetic. It's not about genetics or even about people's backgrounds. It's, be it's because God's word says so that we must act according to his word and to have authority and power. So if there are such people around you, if their souls are praying even for the actions that you take for them, you must repent and pray. This is the life of sacrifice. We fear God. We share in his holiness and share in his will. And we will have authority and power in this land. So how do we turn our friends back and 
And how do we turn the people of this land back? And how do we cleanse this land? It's about Christians rising up and praying according to God's word. In chapter 19, starting from verse 19, it takes even more than chapter 18. Chapter 18 mentions that I am Lord. I am Lord your God. Six times in total. Well, in chapter 19, he mentions, I am Lord, I am Lord of your God, 15 times in total. So God cares about us knowing his heart and being set apart as holy. It starts with the fear of God. So chapter 19 speaks in more detail. You'll notice that every paragraph, every verse, maybe I don't have such a habit of life now, but God tells us that he cares about every little thing in our lives, and even the small things in our interpersonal relationships. Verses 1 and 2 tell us about knowing the holiness of God. Holiness is not about our behavior. Holiness is not about what I did or what I did not do. Holiness is about deeply knowing that I am called by God, having a reverent heart towards God, fear the Lord, seeking God to save me from sin. Being set apart as holy means it belong, belonging to God. Whether I, I belong to God or not indicates whether I am in His holiness. So today, pray for your own life. Lord, separate me from my work. And separate me, set me apart from my various interpersonal relationships. And set me apart from the lifestyle habits, my behavior towards my parents, my attitude towards my parents, and also my attitudes towards my spouse, my children, my colleagues in the workplaces, and my attitude towards my boss, in relationship with brothers and sisters in church, or even towards those unbelievers, the weak ones, or even one who are around me who I do not know, Lord. Guide me into holiness. Verses 3 to 4 first remind us to honor our parents, which is linked to keeping the Sabbath, expressing honoring parents as linked to fearing God and keeping God's covenant. So pray for us to have a mindset, Lord, regardless of my parents, they may be in my upbringing today, their immaturity or even their harm to me, that they injure me. Some of them some of their behavior that may not be so appropriate, but Lord, because of fearing you, I honor them. It's not about whether my parents deserve it or not, but truly in your presence. I understand the fear and honor, so they have the opportunity to receive your salvation. And this is called keeping the Sabbath. Verses 5 to 8 talk about the peace offering. Because among all the sacrifices at that time, only the peace offering had opportunity to eat meat. Because of this sacrifice was little taken by the priest, and the one offering the sacrifice enjoy the people who sacrifice it enjoys a lot. So verses five to eight talk about an attitude of worship. It's not like today I want to eat meat. Okay, let's offer a peace offering. So God cares about our motive, and our motives can touch God's approval. So why can't you eat on the second day, but not on the third day? If you eat it, it's disrespect, disrespect to the creature, the creation of God. And that person will be caught off 
from his people, which means that I really want to eat meat and I have the opportunity to eat meat by offering peace offering, but I don't share with others that I just want to eat it myself. But if you can't finish it in one day, you force yourself to finish it on the second day, it's a pity on the third day. The meat is wasted again. Our worship before God. Do not follow our own preferences or conveniences. So this is verse 5 to 8. According to God's will, every time we worship, every time we pray, and every time we offer, and every time we serve, God examines our motives. That when we pray, when we offer, and every time when we serve, God examines our motive. These are motives of selfish, ambitious, proud, not just to show off righteousness. Then this is verse 8. The people who eats it must bear his inequity, right? He must profane the creature of the Lord, and that person will be cut off from his people. And being cut off does not mean destruction. Being cut off means that he, he will lose communion with God, and he will be separated from him. So verses 9 to 10 talked about our attitude towards the vulnerable. You know, God often places some more uh, poor or vulnerable people around us, wondrous besides us. God uses these vulnerable to test our reverence for his word. So when harvesting crops, you do not harvest a quarter of the field. You do not just gather what's left behind and do not pick up the fallen fruit of your vineyard. So you might ask, but I am not a farmer. What does it mean not to harvest a quarter and to gather the leftovers and not to pick up the fallen fruit of a vineyard? Well, in today's context, it relates to our questions. It relates to my salary, my financial ability, my investment in financial management, and my way of earning money. In all of this, is there a portion that I can leave for those who are needed or are poor or vulnerable? God cares about this. I am the Lord your God. So verses 11 to 12 speaking is speaking against stealing, cheating, lying, or dealing falsely, which is blasphemous, blasphemy against God. I am the Lord. This section is about not being self-centered, not satisfying our own selfish desires, whether it is my lying, cheating, deceit, or blasphemy. You might think that if I don't take care of myself, who will? I can't even manage myself, and how could I care for others? From verse 1 to 12, that teaches us how a person living before God today, in every environment, knows that our relationship with others, our interaction, must still reflect God's holiness. In verses 13 to 14, talked about our private behaviors, oppressing or robbing our neighbors, cursing the deaf, putting stumbling blocks in front of the blind. These are behaviors hidden from people's eyes. But in God's eyes, do we still fear the Lord and love our neighbor as ourselves? In verse 15 to 16, we remain as to have integrity in our eyes, not to act unjustly, not to favor the poor, and not to show favoritism to the powerful, but to look to God for every decision that we humans are so quick to judge by their appearances. But there are many people in this world who grew up 
and suffering broken families, right? Broken marriages, environment, and poverty. Sometimes when we seek justice, we need to consider how do we judge in God's mercy in helping the poor and the weak, still bring them into God's holiness. Therefore, in mercy and in charity. So even in helping the poor, in defending the poor, justice must not be lacking. As people continue to live in their weaknesses and laziness, do not bear a grudge against your brother. Do not rebuke your neighbor, frankly, so you will not share in his guilt, especially when our neighbor is committing a crime. If I don't correct him, I will sin because of him. As, of, as in the case of a lot, right? Many people commit sins, insisting that they themselves do not sin. But I'm aware that at their daughters when happened defiled and even their wives are affected even though god still saves him ultimately he alone and his descendants uh, have plunged into sin in ezekiel 33 specifically reminds us that if someone is on the wrong path if i don't want them correct him or turn him back god says i share in his sin you might think Oh, correcting others in this day and age? If I don't speak, it's fine. But if I do, they might get upset with me, right? Even if I don't help, they might still resent me. Our relationship might change. So do I care about people or do I care about God's view of me? God's judgment of us. It's difficult. And we don't want to lose this friend that we fear more is offending God. So we continue to seek God and how to speak with wisdom, power, are very important. Now verse 18 talks about not taking advantage, and verse 19 says something special. From verse 3 to 18, God explained the reasons and requirements of bringing people into his holiness. By starting from 19, he doesn't explain anymore. There are no explanation. It was just about whether or not we're willing to rebate. Here, talk, here it talks about not mixing fabrics, right? Not mixing fabrics in verse 19 and from 20 to 22, talking about betrothed women and how we treat those who are under our authority. In verse 23 to 25, talked about faith in God, not eating the fruit of a tree until the fourth year without any reason, just asking whether or not we'll obey God's word. In verses 26 to 28, Speak, of, speak about idolatrous behavior and not participating in it and not having a share with it. Verse 29 to 30 specifically warn us not to harm our future generations by involving them in idol read, worship, and just solely fearing God. Verse 32 teaches us to respect authority. Respect the elderly in verses 32 to 34 safeguards about safeguards and protect strangers living among us. And verses 35 to 36 speaks of fairness, right? In 37, you should keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them. I am the Lord. Throughout the chapter, some parts make sense when you hear them, and they are set apart as holy. In some parts, you might wonder why they're there. I don't understand. It's called being set apart as holy. Some aspects are not exclusive to Christian faith. 
not only God's laws and statutes, even other religions acknowledge them. So there's a difference. What, what's the, where's the difference between the, the three? They all boil down to one thing. Do I understand God's heart? Am I willing to honor him? So if you read chapter 19, I encourage you to grasp one or two verses and to pray about it. How am I treating the weak ones, the vulnerable ones, the needy ones today? How am I treating my companions? How am I treating the elderly? How am I treating the strangers? So whether it's eating, dressing, speaking, or even my actions, my possessions, can people see that I am set apart as holy? So chapter 19 doesn't teach us to strive to do it all. You must grasp one quick principle. I am the Lord. Chapter 18, 19, and 20 may have some requirements of the law that I may never fulfill in my lifetime. But the key is, do I recognize that he is the Lord? So the law is our swift guide in leading us step by step to Jesus Christ. So reading chapter 18, 19, and 20, it's not about asking yourself if you've done it all. Seeing these three chapters asking you if you are increasing, increasingly understand God's heart, that you need a lot of prayer. Lord, I understand these rules, these statutes, but Lord, I can do them. Please help me understand your heart, obey your will, and I desire to live out your pattern. Just as the gospel, <clears throat> the laws of the kingdom of God, many things we can do, but God still requires us to be perfect, to, to be blameless, just as Heavenly Father is perfect. So chapter 19 is a prerogative law, a place that kind of drives us to seek God and to understand his heart. So chapter 19 also teaches a life of grace, which is understand God's heart and to be willing to obey God's will and his heart's desire. So God will help me, guide me, and protect me. So what I need most today is not to do something, but to pursue God, to know God, to live in God's holiness. So do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. Funny time this week, this month. You know how much certain amount of time each day? Okay, so we must understand God's heart and pray more to seek God's face more. And ask God to give us wisdom and ability, just like Joseph in all things. And to be able to find God's heart to help those people according to God's will and to bring them before God. So today, if you want to have a life that pleases God, a successful life, a prosperous life, it is to know God and to live in obedience to God. May the Lord help us. May this day the Lord also protect us, lead us, and just as a mother hen protects her chicks according to God's will to have a life full of peace in the name of the Lord. Amen. Dear families, we hope that you enjoy the Bible race as much as we do. If you are willing to volunteer to translate the original Chinese teaching into English or assist with video editing, please email service at 360sunrise.com. Thank you.